future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Everybody, everybody, welcome, welcome. It is Monday, August 29th, 2022. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out to Coop Live. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. On Out to Coop Live, we talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards from across the country. You can also join us at the end of the week for our Friday Politics Roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And you can check out our once or twice monthly The Wednesday Show with Cyril Michaleko. Yes, Cyril, of course, is the editor-in-chief at the Bucks County Beacon. He joins me to drill down into Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and international politics. You can get all our shows by subscribing to us on our podcast, on our Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also just kind of like follow us on this YouTube channel if you're watching us right now, right? You can support the show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. You can help out the show by right now by heading over to our YouTube channel. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. You can also join our Discord server, which is starting to ramp up. Info on that is in tonight's show notes. And for more PA progressive talk, you can tune in to the Rich Smith, Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your streams, he's there. Head on over to the ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And if you haven't already, I don't know what you're doing, but you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house, and they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And for all you gamers out there, the Game In is a Quaker Town based, black family owned gaming store. They're friends of the show and they've got everything for Retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops. And look, school's back in session, everybody. Oh, I know, that's my daughter. Not too happy about that. Uh, but kids will get a discount with every A on the report card. So make sure that they are studying and do getting their homework done. You can check out The Game In on their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at, at The Game In. That's with two N's. Got a question about a game, look for something hard to get, shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. Special shout-out, as always, goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at @songadayman. that's with two N's, at @songadayman on Twitter. And look, everybody, school is back in session. We've got one big job going forward. We cannot let Paul Martino and his oligarch friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community. Raging Chicken has teamed up with Levelfield to launch a truly community-based PAC to invest in organizing, supporting local and statewide progressive candidates, and unmasking the toxic organizations injecting our communities with right-wing extremism. We're putting small-dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. You can get more information and drop your donation at ragingchicken.levelfield.net. That's ragingchicken.levelfield.net. 
Well, tonight, everybody, looks like everybody has been waiting for tonight's show. <laughs> I've got more messages on Twitter um, and uh, and emails. Uh, looking forward to tonight's show, and I am thrilled as much as you are. This week, I welcome Jennifer Cohn to the show. We'll be talking about her new article in the Bucks County Beacon, the underreported and massive theocratic movement joins forces with Michael Flynn and Roger Stone. I mean... How can you not pick that up and read that already, right? Well, she sounds the alarm about the New Apostolic Reformation, a Christian nationalist authoritarian movement that believes, quote, Christians must take control of government, business, and culture in order for Jesus to return to earth, unquote. We might dismiss this movement as the lunatic fringe if they were not building strong connections with right-wing power and money, including former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, longtime Trump advisor Roger Stone, and PA gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano. Following Cohn's Bucks County Beacon article, L. Hardy, for example, writing in the New Republic, amplified her alarm by, uh, about the rising influence of the new apostolic reformation and connections with Mastriano. Jennifer Cohn is an attorney, election integrity advocate, and political essayist whose articles have appeared in the New York Review of Books, Who, What, Why, The Independent, TYT Investigates, The Brad Blog, Salon, and of course, our very own right down the street, the Bucks County Beacon. Welcome to tonight's show, Jennifer. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, it's great meeting you. And I have to say uh, thank you for this work. <laughs> um, as I was saying to you before the show tonight, um, it, I've read this article now about three times. And each time I'm uncovering more kind of like, oh, my God, moments <laughs> like right. yeah. it's pretty incredible. It seems to be right in the middle of things. Uh, exactly. So before we jump into this movement, um, maybe just kind of back up a little bit and Talk a little about like, how did you first get involved in working in election integrity? That's when I first kind of got to know your work, like from online and Twitter, is kind of doing this election integrity work. Um, and then how is that kind of connected to or lead you down this path where we're looking at these kind of like Christian nationalist organizations? Hi, so I practiced law for about 23 years. And I was able to quit several months, uh, several years, or a couple of years before the 2016 election. So I was enjoying being a stay-at-home mother, sort of a super mom. Things were going great. <laughs> then the 2016 election hit, and like a lot of other people who are Democrats, I was very concerned about the result. I became more concerned over time, but I really didn't. I saw a lot of people writing about Russia on Twitter, in particular, which is where the resistance. So-called so resistance was. Mm -hmm. I didn't have much to contribute, but somewhere along the way, somebody asked for help researching um, voting machine audit laws, electronic voting audit laws, because we, there was the recount happening and right. some experts were seeking an audit. So I started researching election security because of that, because it seems sort of underreported, and I noticed that people in positions of trust had really fed the public really half-truths, and in some cases, perhaps even just outright falsehoods, I think, to um, increase trust in really what was an untrustworthy system. So I became very enmeshed in election security writing, and I wrote about it quite a bit on Twitter, then I started writing on Medium, then several publications reached out to me and asked me if I would write articles for them, so I did, a, I did several for the New York Review of Books, and several for Who, What, Why, and 
few others, TYT investigates. So I became kind of this major national election <laughs> integrity advocate. And Ron Wyden, although he never actually followed me, his office reached out to me to tell me that he was reading my work. And a lot of my suggestions were apparently influencing some of the, the legislation that they were drafting to secure our elections, and in particular, nice. the what was called the SAFE Act. So I made a lot of remarkable practice, uh, progress for someone who hadn't really been involved in election security at all before 2016. I spent all day every day on that, and then the big lie hit in the 2020 election, and Team Trump took sort of grains of truth about vulnerabilities that the Democrats had tried to address before the election, and I, with and other advocates with the SAFE Act. The GOP had blocked the SAFE right. Act. Trump had done nothing to try to pass anything to secure our elections. and But they took the vulnerabilities that they had refused to address and combined them with a fire hose of falsehoods. So grain of truth, fire hose of falsehoods to um, create sort of this myth that they had evidence that was just around the corner that Trump really won the 2020 election. And in response, the Democrats, rather than saying, hey, wait, we tried to pass election security reform, you know, um, and you guys blocked it. Instead, they kind of went with this misleading, I think, most secure election ever narrative. And um, in any event, it completely derailed my work in advocacy there it, because election officials were getting death threats. So I couldn't really call out election officials who'd made bad decisions because I cert oh, gosh. That's my dog. Quite I couldn't. Okay. I didn't. Certainly didn't want election <laughs> officials to get death threats. Right. No. Exactly. Because you're in a situation and, uh, where, people, right? They're, they're they're you know people right. ca calling out these election officials exactly precisely as right. somehow that they're, you know, these behind this big conspiracy um, to do this. So of course, I mean, you don't want to call those folks out and put a target on their backs. But. Right, but some of them actually I had been, not because I wasn't accusing them of fraud, they had chosen bad equipment because a lot of states and counties were, were upgrading their, supposed to be upgrading, they were replacing their old equipment that they'd bought in the early 2000s before the 2020 election would roll around. So anyway, so I decided to shift gears to the big liars behind the big lie, because that is obviously very related to election integrity and how they managed to get as far as they did. and. Um, Somewhere in there, you know, when Mastriano was heavily involved in yep. the big lie, and I guess um, the Bucks County Beacon asked me to start writing, if I would write some articles for them. So that is sort of how, and then the, the religious right has been on my radar sort of since early on because they, they do have concerning, concerning to me connections to some of the technology vendors that are involved in our elections. So there's a America's largest poll book vendor, their product developer worked for, um, campaign for Ed Martin, who's the president of the Phyllis Shafley Eagles that opposes the Equal Rights Amendment. That sort of thing yeah. does not prove fraud, but it was on my radar and it was something I write about, I was writing about and I was concerned about. And so anyway, I saw, so I always keep out an eye out for the religious right. And then I saw a video of the NAR and here we are, the new apostolic reformation. I saw a video mm -hmm. of four, four men, five men on stage reciting this hellish, um, this hellish decree called the Watchman's Decree about their intent to uh, rule over the earth in the name of Jesus Christ or in, in the name of Christianity. And I saw some replies identifying that it was the new apostolic reformation who I'd never heard of. And I started right, researching it. And then a lot of things made sense that I'd been seeing all along the way. Um, so this is, 
So anyway, that's that is sort of a long progression. Yeah, no, but this is exactly it. It's interesting you say that too. I always have an eye on the religious right. I mean, I I grew up in you know in kind of the eighties and nineties, right, where you had these you know the moral majority was on the surge. I grew up in the kind of punk rock community where the religious right was you know always a target. Looking at Jerry Faldwell and these folks had always had their hands in politics, um, but um, I think mm-hmm. over the years um, have grown more and more sophisticated in terms of how they actually exercise that power. And I think this will come out in the discussion tonight too as well, is that we see that even mm-hmm. in the in the kind of the, the, the structuralist structure, if you will, of this organis- you know, of this kind of movement and some of these kind of power players that are involved. But before I, I get ahead ahead of it too much, can you give us just a, a kind of a, a kind of a, say a, a breakdown of like who who are these people or what is this organization or movement or how would you even call it this kind of new apostolic reformation? And can maybe that could lead us into a little bit about these seven mountains um, that they talk about, which I have like a graphic printed out somewhere around here of it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Um, but yes, yeah, so yeah. can you give us that little yeah. little overview of that before sure. we dive into the individuals that are involved? Yes, so the New Apostolic Reformation, also known as the NAR, that's the abbreviation NAR, is a movement. It's not an organization. Uh, within it, it has some organizations, but the NAR itself is, is a movement. And the movement emerged from what's called the Pentecostal Charismatic Stream of Religions, which, has, it's, which is one of the largest um, religious blocks in the world. And what that stream, what those tend to have in common are um, charismatic means, for example, that you think that by virtue of being baptized, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and that gives you these supernatural gifts, such as sort of tent revival style faith healing, um, the ability to conduct exorcisms, to chase away demons. Prophecy is a big one, the, uh, the ability to see the future. And um, uh, where bringing are people back ones? from the dead, I Those think, was the one main... of them, wasn't it? <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, the NAR added that one on. So that was sort of unique to the NAR. So so the NAR is the, the fastest growing movement within that sort of general charismatic stream. And within the general charismatic stream, you have all these different denominations. You can have Catholic charismatics and you can have Presbyterian charismatics, Pentecostal charismatics. Um, but the NAR is actually non-denominational, so it makes it a little bit broader in terms of its reach. And it also, I think probably like most charismatics, but maybe not all of them, believes in something called dominionism, which as you said, is the idea that um, Christians must rule over all pillars of society in order for Jesus Christ to return to earth. So they, they have that, and I know we'll wanna come back to that because that I think is the yeah. most dangerous element. Um, faith healing is a little dangerous when you're talking about setting policy on things like the coronavirus pandemic, but. The most dangerous to me probably is the dominionism element. And um, the, the distinguishing feature of the NAR as opposed to other uh, religious movements within the, the Pentecostal charismatic movement is the, this idea that churches should be ruled by apostles and prophets. And, and then beneath them, I think you can have pastors and teachers and such, but the apostles are at the top, sort of the top of the hierarchy. And that's really unique to them within Christianity, except perhaps for Mormons, I think, don't might have apostles. But and, and, and correct me if I'm so wrong, but is, it seems it seems to be that part of what that what 
that little hierarchy that they got going for, it's really kind of disconnected from, say, an overarching, say, say religious order or something, but it's really based upon these individuals who supposedly, right, are kind of getting direct kind of prophecies from God Prophets. and have been anointed as such, correct? That's right. Apostles are also prophets. They're somehow one level above your ordinary prophet. And <laughs> they each have their own ministries. And a lot of them are, and they're very influential, much more so than you would think. They have these elaborate prayer networks and they're sort of overlapping and they're international, by the way, because this is an international movement. And yeah, apparently the, the charismatic movement overall, Pentecostal charismatic movement overall, has about 600 million adherents worldwide, is the estimate. Um, that's according to the Pew Center, did a, did a study on it. I don't know how they figured that out. I don't know what percentage of that is really the NAR, but they're supposedly the fastest growing segment within that. So there's a lot of people in it. And I think what they what they do, they have their own ministries. Some of them have mega churches. They are non-denominational. So any any type of Christian can can follow. And uh, they they often infiltrate churches. So a church may not they don't announce themselves as the NAR. They're very secretive about their identity because they got a lot of negative press, I think, around 2012, 2011, Rick Perry was some, somehow associated with them and that got some traction. And maybe it was around then perhaps that, well, Sarah Palin was 2008. So they kind of went dark. Within the NAR was started by a man named Peter Wagner and he created some organizations within this movement. So it's a movement, but then there were some official organizations. And in those organizations, there were sort of Peter Wagner, NAR recognized apostles. Those lists are no longer, they still exist, but they no longer publish them publicly. But we have several that you can, that I included links to in my article where they list a bunch of names. And so anyone on those lists you can say is definitely a leader in the movement. As far as followers, it's a little harder to tell because they're not going to be on any list. So you have to really look sort of at their belief set and just say, are they affiliated with it? Do they appear to follow its tenets? that sort of thing. So that is the NAR, and there are some very high profile leaders in the NAR, namely those, some of the ones who were on that state. There was, so there was an event in Georgia, let me back up, just in July this year. And there were um, four, two apostles and two pastors that are often, often hang out with these two <laughs> high profile apostles. The NAR apostles were Dutch Sheets and Lance Wallnau, and they stood on the stage, and it was televised by Flashpoint, which is a religious Christian TV show on a Christian network called the Victory Channel. And they recited this very lengthy decree, saying, "You know, we decree that we have um, this author our legal authority from heaven, and we are exercising that legal authority now. And we decree that we will control all seven mountains of society and permanently." And it was just very frightening. And for them... Um, and then they have... It turned out, as I researched it, they had connections to major Make America Great Again MAGA leaders like Michael Flynn and Roger Stone. 100%. And like, so, and these like specific pillars, these kind of mountains are business, government, mm -hmm. family, religion, media, education, and entertainment, right? That's and, right. And what was... I have to say, that was the part for me that sent chills kind of up my spine. And the reason why is that mirrored what Lewis Powell was doing 
through the Powell Memorandum that was kind of issued way back in the whatever 1970s or whatever was basically saying, look, we're losing the culture war in this country. And what we need to do is take over these levers <laughs> of power. And mm-hmm. it's going to take a long time. So we need to attack education. We need to make a, our vision of the family product, like well, prominent. We need to recruit business leaders. They knew that they were on the defensive. And so they took the offensive. And then you see that same thread getting picked up, um, picked up by, say, for example, the, the Koch brothers and similar organizations. And this group comes around. And now we see this is being kind of embedded in religion, right? That this is a direct line from God. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, that exactly. sends off the kind of like the fascism alarms, if you will, for me. Well, I think why the the stage that them standing on the stage and the Watchman decree was so important was because there was no ambiguity in it. You know, you couldn't say, oh, well, no, we're just saying we want to have some degree of influence in these other areas of society. They are decreeing that by authority, legal authority from God, it is their mandate to control these permanently, all of these pillars. And they said it out loud, and these people had names, and they work really closely with people like Michael Flynn, who seems to have an affinity for PSYOPs, psychological operations, and Roger Stone, who is a very dangerous man, who I've studied quite a bit, is one of the major big liars. And Roger Stone has ties to, really close ties to the Proud Boys and maybe slightly lesser, but also ties to the Oath Keepers. And Michael Flynn is working really closely with the uh, Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, which is sort of this association of rogue sheriffs who believe that they have legal authority over above any any other government official, federal, even the president, for anything that happens in their jurisdiction. And so to have a connection between sort of a militant religious group and Michael Flynn and Roger Stone, who do psychological warfare and have ties to violent extremists, and there's no ambiguity in what these people were saying, none. They said it out loud, they were proud of it, they posted it everywhere, and um, that scared me because I I had heard the term dominionist, I knew what it meant, but I hadn't ever heard of anyone within the movement advocating it right. myself. So it was kind of out there, but I didn't, I hadn't heard a quote anywhere of someone saying, this is what we must do, this is our mandate from heaven. Right. And he, Nor did I know that it was a lot of people. Yeah, and here you have it. This is Wagner, one of these folks. This is a quote from your article saying, Dominion has to do with control. Dominion has to do with rulership. Dominion has to do with authority and subduing. As it relates to society, in other words, what the values are in heaven need to be made manifest on earth. Dominion means being the head and not the tail. Dominion means ruling as kings. From the horse's right. mouth. Right, so any of the leaders who... And, and then he formed these, or he he recognized this movement. He says he didn't create it. It was more that he was recognizing that there were these religious leaders that had this this um, combination in common of religious beliefs that they were preaching. And so he formed these organizations within it. And they were his organizations until he died in 2016. And so the leaders, and they meet annually, or maybe probably biannually, I think, to strategize and they are overtly p- political by the way that's the other thing is they they mm-hmm. feel that that is part of their job and they make prophecies about politics so they say what's going to happen in the politi- political sphere so a few of them predicted that trump would be 
have a second term. And so there's sort of a conflict of interest. I mean, they, they, they were determined to make sure that that happened because their credibility was on the line as profits. Yeah, you know, and one of the things that, that in this, as I was reading your piece and kind of, there's this one part here, for example, um, we talk about Nara apostles also claim that demons are engaged in, quote, spiritual war warfare here on earth. Nara apostle right. Cindy, Cindy Jacobs offers a $97 spiritual warfare course and Nara apostle Dutch Sheet, um, Sheets wrote an ebook called Spiritual Warfare for the Lost. Um, NAR um, NAR apostle Steve Strang, who sponsors the the rat, we'll that, uh, recently wrote that quote: "I believe God raised up Donald Trump, and there is warfare going on, satanic activity that is trying to tear down the fabric of this country. We need to take authority over the enemy. We are um, in a movement for righteousness to reclaim our country from the hands of the wicked." But that is that's right. They end time shit. Terrifying. Right. <laughs> It's terrifying. They consider anyone who disagrees with them politically not only an enemy, but demonic. That we're all under the, if not witches ourselves, we're under the influence of Satan. Um, well, you, it's, and they all talk that way. Yeah. Well, all, the, all of the ones that I cover in my article talk that way. I should say, I, have, I didn't, there are probably hundreds of them, maybe even thousands of these apostles. I, I don't really know, but I covered a good five or six of the ones that seem to be heavily involved in the presidential campaign. Right. And one of the frightening things about this for me, too, is kind of what you were alluding to there. It's like once this stuff gets grounded in faith, like suddenly a whole bunch of things were clicking into place for me. Like you mentioned earlier on when I'm like, this explains the the way that people can believe that Trump really won the election. Right. And I know like this yes. is not fact based, but once you once you're able to shift people to a face a faith based way of reading the world. It's no longer about exactly. facts. It's no longer about evidence because if you could say that this is caused by demons, these demons have taken over these particular organizations and someone buys into that as, a, 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 you know, an article of faith. That explains right. like the it's viciousness no of the, both yeah. their kind of their war and how they can believe that it, that what they were doing on, say, for example, January 6th was perfectly in line about saving the country as opposed to tearing it down. So I, sorry, but I mean, that's like one of those moments, you know? No, you said, you said it perfectly. I like, I love hearing how other people interpret sort of the facts that I put out there. And because I think, you, I think you said it perfectly. It also, I think explains to a large extent the QAnon uh, totally. popularity of that conspiracy theory, because I, I had, this is just speculation, but I have a theory that it was in that QAnon was inspired by Lance Walno and in that crowd uh, because the whole great awakening thing it, it's not it's not unique I guess to the NAR but they talk about that quite a bit and their prophets and QAnon of course was a prophet supposedly uh, and he spread this conspiracy theory about uh, you know about pedophile pedophilia rings and that Trump was the only that were worldwide and Trump was battling them and it was they may have used terms like spiritual warfare, but it, it sort of seems very NAR-esque. And that's sort of an angle that I'm looking into. But people, there are a number of people who've long suspected Flynn's involvement right. because of his background and because he's he bragged in 20, right after Trump won, that he has an army of digital soldiers and that they use uh, irregular warfare. It seems like the kind of thing he would do. But of course, I don't have direct proof. It does explain, though, a lot of the people who follow QAnon now go on this tour called the Reawaken America Tour, which Flynn, Mike Flynn, is the 
top top draw of that tour. It was sponsored and if I'm not, if by I'm not, a if I'm not mistaken, right, media organization. This tour, it's sorry. It's NAR. Yeah, it's sponsored by a, a media, Charisma News, which was founded by a NAR, a leader in the NAR named Steve String. So, and if I, if I, so that that not, that kind of fell into place. It's yeah, and if I'm people. not mistaken, I mean, this is. People, I'm sorry, the people who are going that. This is something I didn't really put in. I, yeah. I keep learning stuff as I go along, but the people that go on these reawaken America tours originally, I had no idea it was religious right because everyone was calling them QAnon tours, right? So I thought it was QAnon. It was a Q tour, Q tour. Everyone was saying it's a Q tour, QAnon. Mm -hmm. And then I looked at it, and it's sponsored by Charisma News, and it has all of these pastors. Mark Marillo and Hank Kuhneman were on that stage with Walnow and Dutch Sheets in Georgia at that arena doing the Watchman's Decree. And Walnow's spoken on the tour, and I, I think Sheets has spoken on the tour. Steve Strang has spoken on the tour. And so suddenly it's not just, just a QAnon tour, it's more like it's an R tour or a right. Seven Mountains tour or something with that they're really the ones leading it. And then the rest is kind of, it almost puts them ahead of Q. I don't think the tour doesn't really talk about Q anymore, but it was almost like they made this weird transition, seamless, weird in that it was seamless mm -hmm. from Q to the NAR. And that yeah. suggests to me that it was always the same people. It suggests yeah. the possibility that it was always the same people. And it makes sense in terms of the structure too, like because these, I, I mean, I, I, I've been diving down these rabbit holes now, following some of the sources that you link to in your article and all this stuff and reading right. that stuff too as well. And so I'm, I'm like, you know, trying to like figure out yeah, like, okay, how do you put all this stuff together? And what are the things? It was very hard to wrestle it down. I could have probably written a whole book on totally. it. Totally, <laughs> I could, so, I could completely yeah. see that. And I think that one of the things that, um, and one of the things that I got me thinking about this because some of the leaders of this, uh, you know, of this movement, you know, will even deny that there's such mm -hmm. a thing called the NAR. <laughs> like, it's the weirdest thing. Well, exactly. And so, and so it lends. Well, because they're infiltrators. Exactly. They, they don't. They do it slowly. They exactly. they infiltrate. They don't, and then pretty soon, suddenly, you don't notice it as a churchgoer. You're talking about spiritual warfare. That maybe doesn't sound so far removed if they don't mean it literally. And then you're talking about healing people. Well, who doesn't pray to God when they get sick, <laughs> right? You don't necessarily think they mean like magic wand faith healing, but they do. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you know, you're calling Democrat, all Democrats demons and witches, and you believe that you have a mandate from God to take over the world. And these people like have said directly that these are the ones that are responsible for, for example, like floating out that conspiracy theory that Nancy Pelosi drinks bloods of babies. Right? I mean, like, I mean, right. stuff that, that seems completely lunatic fringe and like, oh, my God, that just like a few random like randos that are kind of off the ledge a little bit. But no, they're actively propagating this kind of knowledge within this religious framework. Um, so when people say that Nancy Pelosi right. is evil, they don't mean it figuratively, right? Right. No, they don't. They mean she's literally the devil. Oh, and here, when I said it made things fall into place, I had noticed when other people would post on Twitter that, for example, Roger Stone was talking about demonic mm -hmm. portals, uh, de demonic portal being above the Biden White House. I had noticed that, and I, I write a lot about Roger Stone, and, you know, I tweeted it or something and thought, well, okay, this is worth noting. I don't know what's going on here exactly. <laughs> You're like, that's a little weird. It's kissing up to somebody. 
was a little weird. And then you noticed that Michael Flynn was saying that we should have only one religion. I didn't know where he had said that. It was turns out it was on this Reawaken America tour, one of the stops. And suddenly it kind of all makes sense because that's what the NAR believes, that there should only be Christianity. And they talk about things like demonic portals or the type of things they would talk about. It turned out Roger Stone initially made that claim um, on a show called The Elijah List, which is was founded by a NAR apostle named Steve Schultz. And then he made it again on the Reawaken America tour, which is sponsored by Charisma News. That's the NAR leader, Steve Strang. So that's what I meant when things kind of fell into place. I'd seen Marjorie Taylor Greene getting prayed over by a bunch of guys. I didn't know who they were. It was the same guys who, it was the same event and the same guys who did that thing in the arena in Georgia that where they read the Watchmen's decree. It was Dutch Sheets, Lance Walno, and their pastors, Hank Kuhneman and Mario Murillo. So it, a lot of things fell into place. All the, all the worst people are caught up, all the, from my point of view, all the worst people in MAGA world. Lauren Boebert is, is tied up with them in Colorado. They're all close with close associates of these NAR leaders. It's pretty remarkable. Trump. And if I if I'm not mistaken, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, this uh, reawaken America tour um, it concludes this year in Pennsylvania on October 21st and 22nd. If I'm not mistaken, you are correct. It's coming to I think it's called Nookie Sports, um, Sports Nookie. I don't know. Sports Nookie has some weird name. It's in it's in my article. Yeah. yeah, they're coming here for the finale, which is no mistake, mm -hmm. because as you, everyone in Pennsylvania and hopefully the country knows, the governorship is at stake. And it really matters because in Pennsylvania, the governor gets to choose the top election official in the state, which is the secretary of state. Mastriana spread one of the biggest lies of the 2020 election, which I've written about previously for the Beacon, very obviously clearly debunked, and he left it up and let it go viral. And... So they really, really want Mastriano to win. The NAR, the NAR does, and he has, he seemed, has, seems to have a very cozy relationship with them. I can't say, read his mind to know how much of it he believes and how much of it is cozying up to them, but it doesn't really matter because you become um, indebted to those who help you attain power. And he clearly is cozying up to the people in the NAR, mostly through this she calls herself an apostle, um, Abby Abeldness in mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, who said on her own book that her job was to be the Pennsylvania representative for Cindy Jacobs' Reformation Prayer Network and John Bonifield's Ap Apostolic Prayer Network. And those two are both on those lists that I talked about. So they're confirmed NAR apostles. You know, And then, and then Mastriano tries to play it cute and say he doesn't work with the NAR, but he obviously works with Abledness, who I think is scrubbing her profile, by the way. Really? Because I could have sworn on Facebook she had said that she worked for these people, and it's no longer there. I had to find it elsewhere. When I went to look for it again, I, I found it on her book. But Well, it would make sense. I mean, it would make sense that, uh, you know, because these mm -hmm. folks are very, they pay attention, um, and, and they don't want to be seen, right? They want to remain the background i know that for example um sean kitchen for example was uh he uh was out and he took a had a picture of her um at one of these forums right that was being was being run about kind of the election about the fraud tour and all this stuff and there she was like sitting right there kind of uh christian nationalist testifying before and she was very she was not very happy when there were other people with say cameras or recording taking pictures of her because she wanted to kind of 
she wanted to have her cake and eat it too, kind of push forward this narrative that um, from this, again, from the NAR, um, and feed it towards Mastriano um, as a way of, you know, um, kind of cementing those connections in some ways. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. They're trying to be, I, I think they're conflicted. They want credit for as far as they've gotten, but then they, they don't want people to, they don't want it to become common knowledge that they are dominionists because I think they know that that's a step too far still. I would say the phrase Christian nationalism is already becoming normalized frighteningly quickly. And because you have Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, saying, yeah, I'm, an, I'm a Christian nationalist. Who cares? It's great. Just, you know, there's no dispute that our founders were Christians. So that's, but they know that actually thinking you have a mandate from heaven to rule the earth as Christians and no, not, a, not other religions, they know that that's too far. And so they don't want that out there. And I think that they are trying to purge that a bit. And this is all fits in directly with the agenda kind of like to kind of like, you know, eliminate access to abortion, to go after the LGBTQ um, kind of books in schools about kind of the critical race theory kind of nonsense that blows up because it's all within that same framework. Because, of course, you know, we say Christian nationalists, but primarily what we're talking about is white Christian nationalism. Right. I mean, this is something that's an old tradition in this country. Now, I'm not saying that every single one of those folks are are white because they're not um but they're uh, no they're doing a lot of outreach i think they're duping people frankly mm -hmm. they're doing a lot of outreach to african-american and and latino um religious leaders i guess or maybe it's not really so much the leaders but their followers yeah and i yeah I, i think that the thing with a lot of these people is whether they are or are not white nationalists, they don't have a problem with aligning with them if it will give them power. And that's sort of the ultimate thing that really is what matters. So for example, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she spoke not that long ago, earlier this year, at a white nationalist conference hosted by white nationalist Nick Fuentes, who is at January 6th, and he's got this following called the Groypers, and he jokes about Hitler, how great Hitler was and stuff. She spoke at his conference, and rather than condemn her for that. It was after that that the NAR decided, those NAR apostles decided to hold her up and pray over her and bless her and say how great she was. So they're they're fine with white nationalists, whether they personally, each and every one of them is a white nationalist, it is sort of beside the point. Right, exactly. Um, exactly. Which again, fits within the way, I mean, I'm telling you, so much came together mm -hmm. for me um, in this piece. Let's talk a little bit about, because I, I know, I don't, I mean, I literally could a week, I could dive into this for the next hour and a half because it's like, it's so fascinating, but I don't want to keep you that long, yeah. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, so let's talk a little bit about, um, I mean, we've already mentioned Doug Mastriano kind of in particular. So how close of ties do you see um, to the Mastriano campaign and to what degree is he cult, does he seem to be or appear to be kind of cultivating that relationship? Because um, he seems to be playing kind of like the cat and mouse game, like, oh, you know, oh, I just I showed up at this event. I had no idea. They like these people are just kind of good Christian folks. I don't know what you're talking about. And then in other moments, he seems to be kind of want to make sure that these folks are involved and sees these people very much as foot soldiers. And of course, a lot of his own rhetoric seems to mirror a lot of the things that you have written about in this piece. Right. I tried to put most of what I know about Mastriano in the piece. I think one thing I maybe didn't mention that much was these networks that that the NAR has access to each of the ministries has its own network 
Um, one of the major NAR apostles is a guy named Che On, A-H-N, who did speak, he was a speaker at January 5, he gave some big speech. He was there January 6, but claims he slept through the insurrection. Um, but supposedly he, he, for example, claims to have access to 1,000 ministries, They're the networks of 1,000 separate ministries. And I think a lot of people were surprised at how quickly or how well Mastriano has done because the GOP itself wasn't too fond of him as their nominee. They were not super excited about it. And I think it it's, would be a reasonable to surmise that he's received a big boost via the NAR and its networks. You really can't get much closer to the NAR than Abby Abledness. I mean, that's what she does is spread the prayer networks for the NAR apostles. And he, there was an event not that long ago, I found it, someone posted about it on Twitter, the, they were not allowing the media in, or at least they yep. weren't allowing the non-Christian media into the event. And he was seen, Mastriano was hugging Abledness at the podium. So it was in, at the state capitol, so it's kind of odd that it, it should have been public if it's at the state capitol, but it, it wasn't. She on her own Facebook page, and I don't know if she'll keep it there or not, but she uh, had a link to an event that she held with Mastriano where the two of them hosted it in May 2020. And she said at the time that they had more events scheduled, and I, I didn't go to look. I, I know that they also, today, there was a lot of news about Mastriano uh, talking yep. to white, or to people holding Confederate flags, saying, and one guy like, at an event, I think it was a July 4th event in Gettysburg, um, he was thanking some guy who was holding up a Confederate flag for protecting the monuments, and he told another guy who had a cape that was half American flag, half Confederate flag, what a great cape it was, and uh, apparently, I think this was the event on July 4th, maybe, I think it was this July 4th, 2020, where he and Abledness went to the monuments at Gettysburg because there was a fake threat that Antifa, you know, the big boogeyman was supposed to be, mm -hmm. would show up to destroy monuments. And so he went out there with Abledness and supposedly they were praying over some monuments. So they're pretty tight. I would say, again, the thing is you can't get definitive proof because again, a follower is not going to be on one of those lists. And without right. being on one of those lists, I, there are probably many NAR leaders who are not on any of those lists because the lists that we have are outdated. They're, you know, they're 10, 2010, 2006, but unfortunately quite a few people that are there are still a problem. Paula, Paula White Kane, who was Trump's spiritual advisor, I wouldn't be at all surprised if she's on one of those lists, although she may be so big that she doesn't even, didn't even need to be on doesn't an need to be on list, the list. She right. seems to, she was, right, she was Trump's spiritual advisor and she seems to share a lot of the beliefs, if not all of them, of the NAR. She spoke in tongues, she... I gather she's a dominionist. So, yeah. The, and Oh, and the Trump people, by the way, have spoken on this Reawaken America tour. So I would sort of put them as being in cahoots with the NAR as well, because why wouldn't they be? They, they, the NAR thinks that God wanted Trump, the, or at least these right. NAR leaders do, the ones that I feature in my piece, think that, that God wanted Trump to win and that Satan supports <laughs> supports Biden. So why would, that's right up, that's right up Trump's alley. He would love that. Jim Garlow is another NAR apostle who had something called the Global Prayer for Election Integrity, which I think lasted a couple of weeks before the election. And he had a lot of speakers. One of them was Mastriano, another was Flynn, another was Bannon, another was the Kraken lawyer, Sidney Powell. I love that. He spent, I believe, quite a bit of time in the White House. 
during Trump's presidency, or at, le at least at the beginning, he 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 was there. He he got inside the White House, and these are there was a time when this would have felt more surprising, I guess. I'm already becoming inoculated to it, but that someone who actually thinks that Christians that should, it, it's directly against freedom of right. religion, that we should have an, a Christian-only nation would be invited to the White House. Well, I just hope, my my there. hope here is that when, uh, is that, like, look, I, I think that this is an incredible service that you're giving like, by laying all this stuff out, in part because well, one of the problems, and I don't want to, I don't want to kind of get into, like, our, the, the kind of the Russia, Russia, Russia discussion, right? Because, I mean, or, or kind of debate. That's right. not my point of saying this. But the thing is about why I think the Russia the, the, the Russia model, if you will, for what was happening, uh, so many people latched onto is because it's, an, it's, a, it's a story that you can understand within a pre-existing frame that the media seems very comfortable in covering and that it already kind of connects up with people's uh, previous understandings of like, you know, this top-down single bad person out there. But what you've documented here in this article is the the actual way that this power is distributed. And, you know, it, it, I swear it reminds me of all this, you know, like in, say, radical left movements at times or even just left movements at times. They talk about like leaderless leaders, right, or leaderless movement where you have, you know, these kind of small groups that are following or built into affinity groups and so on. It's a very, very similar structure, but it is one that I think our current, say, mainstream media... Yeah, yeah, it's a network. It's a network power, and it's a, our mainstream media is 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 not equipped and unwilling to do that work of telling this kind of story. But this is the threat, it seems to me. I agree with that, and I've also seen the same type of network, maybe sort of smaller. But Roger Stone, when I've been writing about him, one thing that really struck me is that he's got his people. And they don't necessarily all work for him formally in the, in the sense that he pays them a salary or anything like that. But it is very obvious that he has a network and an inner network, you know. And one of those people was Enrique Tarrio, who was the national chairman of the Proud Boys. And another one is Jack Posobiec, who's this big influencer on social media and used, lied about working for CBS News, but now is taken seriously as a you know, journalist. He's a complete liar prolific liar, but he's passed himself off as a journalist to people like Steve Bannon and some, he was on OWN, the yep. OWN channel. Um, Marjorie, not Marjorie Taylor Greene, she wasn't part of it. Laura Loomer, who just lost her race as part of Stone's network, although maybe not one of the most important parts. I think Joe Biggs was at time part of his network, obviously Alex Jones. So it's also sort of this very, oh, Jacob Ingalls is his longtime assistant, pretty much seems to do his bidding. So it is, when you follow what they're doing, it becomes very obvious. Their messaging and pictures, because he's a narcissist, so there's tons of pictures, you can see that there's this network, but it is not an organizational structure. And it's the same thing, I think, largely with the NAR. You can see even which NAR apostles tend to work together and which pastors work with them, and they, it's a network. It's crazy. Well, this is amazing. So if look, I, one thing I want to say to everybody who's listening tonight um, is uh, and watching here here or listening to the podcast later on is like, make sure the link, the link to uh, Jennifer Cohen's article is in the show notes. Make sure you go and you read that. And I would recommend strongly bookmarking it, printing it out so that you've got it so you can return to it because these are names and organizations and groups that we all need to become familiar with. 
because there's they're behind the scenes in many cases, especially for those of us who are not tapped into these, you know, into these kind of right wing um, Christian groups to begin with. But we need to see how they work and understand kind of like what their problem uh, projects. And, and, you know, and Jennifer, and you've really laid it out kind of brilliantly in this piece. So I really appreciate this work. Thank you. And just one other thing please, I wanted to please. say is that they do, they're very active in the education mountain. So a lot of the attacks that we're seeing on public schools, I think there are very big presence in that, in, in the attacks on the public school system, in particular in Colorado. So after I wrote my piece, I had a group of Colorado parents just dying to talk to me because, and I did talk to them and I'm going to follow up and hopefully write something up, but because they have been following what's happening in Colorado Springs for a year and they're beside themselves. They're all parents in school districts there and the NAR, they had identified it as the NAR is taking over and it's Lance Wall now from that stage. It's that guy who's working with a guy named, uh, his last name is Wo Andrew Womack is his name and Lauren Bobert's coming out to help them soon at some conference and she was there a year ago with them. And yeah, they, and they, they establish hubs and they're very organized. They have trainings and they establish hubs and they, their churches, you said these churches, mega churches are opening up like all the time, every three weeks or something, they're seeing like a new mega church suddenly coming out there, which in and of itself would be, wouldn't be so bad, except their school districts are also being taken Jesus. over at the same time. And they're also, yeah, so it's, they apparently seem to be a real target and like a test case for the education mountain. So, I mean, that's, Lance Walnow is a very prolific NAR apostle. And then the other mountain, of course, is the government is that, is that what they call it, a government mountain? I'm sure something like that. Yep. Yes, government is very big. And I'd say media is like Charlie Kirk, Turning Point USA, has connections to the NAR. That's media. It's so, media yeah, and schools. Everywhere. Because, of, I mean, that there you have your... It's media yeah. and schools. Right, that's their, that's their number one thing. We've got, yeah, right here in, our, in the high school, in our local high school here, they've got a chapter of Turning Point USA, right, for like the high school level. Like they got their start in college and now they're working their way into the public schools and establishing chapters there. And my understanding is that there's, there's even some that are beginning to emerge at the junior high level. Um, so they're going deep with this stuff. Oh, kindergarten. They've gone down to kindergarten. Here. Are you serious? No, it's true. And he is starting his own academies. So if you ever think like, no, they just want to improve the public schools, it has always been about undermining they, the religious right. And I believe that would include to a very large extent, the NAR has a heavy hand in this, but they want to destroy the public schools, make them as pathetic as possible. And then even with vouchers, there are going to be many families who can't afford to go to private school, which is Part of, which is what they want. Right. And then, so you'll have sort of this permanently two-tiered society where there's really no upward mobility. And he, he wants largely Christian schools um, to replace. He and the religious right, they want private Christian schools. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I feel better or worse now. I, I, I said because this stuff is so, is so concerning to me. Um, but I, I want to have, like, well, go ahead, sorry. No, I think, I think it's helpful to know the name, even though they, they don't use it yeah. sometimes. And I think maybe that's part of the reason it hadn't caught on before. The name is kind of a mouthful, New Apostolic Reformation, NAR. But you can't tackle a problem if you can't name it, which is why I think they like to be stealth. So we should say, say their name as much as possible, identify the individual NAR leaders who are causing so much trouble as much as possible, and follow what they're doing on on their social media, on, on the internet. It's a lot of it's there. It's just hasn't been reported, but their own, they've reported themselves in individual. I, we did this event. We did that event here. I am posing with Michael Flynn here. I am posing. Mm -hmm. you 
So unfortunately, that's what we got to do. Yep. Do I feel better or worse? Well, they're not a huge part of the voting population. There's that. But so evangelicals in general are about 13 percent, but they voted about 26 percent. And I think a large part of that are followers, people who are influenced by the NAR. I think that's so it's the, not that, the majority, the, but it's a lot. Right. Well, I think the point and I point that you keep on coming back to is like, you know, OK, yes, that might be true. You might be talking about 13 percent of the voting population. That's different, however, than the influence of these narratives that they're spreading. So, I mean, some of these people that are showing up, for example, with school boards with, I mean, literally practically verbatim of, of what's coming out of this NAR, they may or may not even know what the NAR is or be connected to one of these churches. Um, but the language is appealing to them and it's connection. And they're using that as part as this. Yeah, power. they do. some. Yeah. I think I really need to get into a little bit more on, on their trainings because that's what these Colorado parents were really on top of. There's something called cultural impact groups at the different churches oh, where that's how they've organized and they, <laughs> Help them to go to the school boards. So, yeah, they're putting people in positions of influence while the rest of us are looking the other yeah. way or can't. Maybe we figured it out, but we can't mobilize in reaction fast enough. Yeah. So it's it's really upsetting for them and really frightening for them. And I, they're not certainly not going to be alone. I mean, we've also seen the attacks on public schools, especially in Florida and Texas. In Texas, I think there are a lot of the same people in Florida. I suspect it, but I'm not sure. Yeah, 100%. The, the NAR has a heavy presence. Yeah, well, you know, this has been one of the ongoing themes of uh, Raging Chicken since we started this is that, um, you know, looking away and hoping that they'll go away if you don't give them any attention has never been a political strategy that works. And these folks swim in those seas mm -hmm. quite like you know, adeptly, let's put it like that. So uh, two quick things then before before we go. Uh, Jennifer, first, are there, are there other places that people can go that you'd recommend them check out? In addition, obviously, to your article, which we have links into the show, um, but folks that you'd kind of like point them to if they want to dig into some of this? Yes, Bruce Wilson has researched the NAR for years, and he's the one who first identified them on Twitter with, that I saw where I knew that those men on the stage were with mm -hmm. the NAR. His Twitter handle is at Bruce Wilson, W-I-S-O-N. And he you could also Google his name because he's written a number of articles on the group and it's ties to Sarah Palin and maybe Rick Perry and Michelle Bachman. And then Leah Loves USA is also on Twitter, L-E-A-L-O-V-E-S-U-S-A. She needs to stay anonymous because of her job. But she does really good open source research on this issue. So she helps help me find some of the some of the photos and things that I put into my piece. And unfortunately, the other one who I could give a ton of credit to is Vision Surreal. And I do give, want to give her credit, but her account is locked right now. I'm not sure why. I mean, I can see it, but only her followers can see it. She does usually allow, allow me to post what she finds. So she found a lot about the funding, sort of the funding mechanism for some of the NAR activities, which is a group called Ziklag. Also, it's also touched upon in my piece. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure that we get uh, links to all of them, too, as well um, in the show. Now, before I let you go, um, I, and I know I've already taken more of your time than I expected, but I had to give you a shout out. I saw this come out on Twitter today. I had several folks, uh, you know, who listened to the show, who sent it to me. It's like, did you see this? Did you see this? Um, apparently, uh, some of your reporting has made it into the January 6th committee, um, particularly when we're talking about guy named Scavo and his thug, Teddy Daniels, right? So uh, congratulations, yeah. number one, on this. Uh, even though I read that whole thread and you're saying, I wish they had just reached out to me because I could have, like, had some more things to say. Some nuance, yeah. right. Yeah, 
so a lot of times I'll feel like, is this mic on? You know, can why why can they not hear me? What's going on here? Because I'll get a lot of tweets and people will tag the committee and I'll email the committee and I'll send it to the committee and they don't answer. So I was surprised that the committee had cited my report in its decision to subpoena and talk to Frank Scavo. He's, I don't think he's a mastermind, to be clear. It just yeah. appeared to me based on, again, his largely his social media and other other people's social media, which I put into an article I posted on Medium, that he seems to have been in a position to know what was going on in Pennsylvania, and he was in the right place yeah. at the right time to maybe know what Steve Bannon knew. And he's in a little town called Old Forge, where Trump himself made a very bizarre, unscheduled stop sort of be before the election in the summer of 2020. It was for the pizza I hear. And someone on Sorry, Twitter yeah, referenced a meeting that he supposedly had with private residents of Old Forge in the summer of 2020. And so I thought the committee should speak with him. And, I, and he sent buses. He spent, sent, and he lied about being inside the Capitol, which makes it extra sort of suspicious. He said he wasn't, and then photographs appeared. And he, you know, he said that it was top secret, so it implied that he he thought he was in on some top secret mission. So anyway, that's Frank Scavo, and yes, it was very uh, what's the word gratifying yeah. to know that they at least read my work. But it would have been nice if they had called me, and I still kind of hope they do. <laughs> I forgot to give a shout out, by the way, to the Bucks County oh. Beacon, which had asked me to do all this writing for them about Pennsylvania, and that has been a joy, and I really like doing it. And I imagine I will have at least a couple more, hopefully several more pieces with them before the well, election. Well, I, I can only hope so um, because uh, your work is actually indispensable, I think, um, for the kind of struggles that we're facing right now. Um, there's going to be links to the things that we talked about, to folks that are mentioned, and also to that Twitter thread that I mentioned uh, about uh, um, Jennifer Cohn's um, um, uh, work that kind of got picked up by the J6 committee. I want to encourage everybody to follow her on Twitter. It's at Jenny Cohn one. That's J E N N Y C O H N one on Twitter. Again, there'll be links to that in tonight's show notes too, as well. Uh, Jennifer, I really appreciate you taking the time out tonight. Um, staying with us a little longer than I kind of expected, but, um, uh, thank you so much for your work and thank you for being here with us tonight. Thank you very much for having me. It was fun. Oh, absolutely. And thanks to everybody who are kind of blowing up the chat for tonight. Um, yes, I'm so glad folks uh, were able to kind of um, check things out. Um, and um, we'll have everything posted and reposted um, ASAP. So for now, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. We will see you on Friday for our politics roundup, Good, the Bad, the Ugly in state and national politics. Until then... Man, do we have our work cut out for us. Uh, thank you again, Jennifer. See ya! Thank you.